Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Continue on in the, with uh, verse 13. And we'll uh, see how far we can progress today. All right, we have talked about the, 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 uh, the command uh, of submission, and the, we were working through the reason, and uh, as we finish that, uh, so we get into the next one, we're, we're going to look at the uh, uh, authorities to whom we should submit. And as we were finishing up, uh, we kind of had uh, discussions and finding that our lessons are, uh, on Wednesdays have been uh, dovetailing with this one. So but I'd like to read uh, verses uh, uh, 13 through, uh, well, I'm just going to read down to uh, 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 verse 17. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that uh, you give us wise counsel in your word and on how to submit to authority and how uh, that we are to also be servants of you and how to meld those two together and realize that in obedience to you, we need to be in submission to authority. But yet, Father, you give us guidance as well where that authority may overstep your commandments and your laws. And Father, how to, how to safely and uh, effectively be able to disobey, but yet still be uh, a, a testimony uh, to the lost. And Father, realizing that uh, you give us that strength through the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Father, that you continue to give us the encouragement, to give us the wisdom, and give us the, the strength and, and the faith to be able to, to accomplish many of these things. Father, I do ask that you just continue to guide, give us guidance. We ask that you have control of this lesson. May it be your lesson and not ours. May it edify us that we would be uh, one wise stu- uh, stewards, but also to be useful servants for you, and to, as well to be a testimony to the lost world around us. And Father, I thank you for this and ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Well, as we, we looked in here, we, we realized that, you know, the, that it's for us to be obedient. We're to be uh, obedient uh, in the reason for that, for the Lord's sake. And we, we, we had several uh, aspects where we were talking of that because we were uh, saved, God forgave our sins. Jesus Christ died on the cross. We're doing it for Christ's sake and because of him. And we're to have the same uh, attitude toward that in, in the way Christ went to the cross. In, in doing that, it was freely done. And we're nothing that we can offer other than to honor the Lord by 
freely doing that, not to be forced, because they're, you know, in the Old Testament, what, a lot of them had to obey the law. They felt, well, I'm, I'm duty-bound. I've got to do this. Uh, I'm going to keep the law in that way. If I'm doing that, I'm doing what God asked me to do. Well, here, we're to do it duty-bound, but he freely allows us to do that. It's, uh, it, it's like the difference between being drafted into the military during wartime or to freely enlist. Well, when the, when the guys are drafted, they can go in there with an attitude of, oh, I'm, I'm going I'm to do what I'm supposed to do. But when you voluntarily go in, you go in with an attitude of, I want to do this. Now, there's a lot of people that are drafted that go in and say, I'm, I want to do this. Just a prime opportunity. I just need a little nudge to go in there. And they go, out, go in with the right attitude. But yet they, they stepped into it uh, through kind of coercion. But that's not what they... they that's not what God is expecting from Christians. We want to do this because of Christ. We also want to fully, we, we, we don't just pick and choose what we want to obey. And that's sad. There are people today that goes, I don't like that. I'm not going to obey that, but I'm going to do that over here. People are doing that with scripture too. They get, they get in there and they, they say, oh, I don't agree with that. I'm not going to pay attention to what, what that is. Every word in here is applicable to us. Every word in here Regardless of whether you agree with it, God said it. We need to obey it. Not forcefully obeyed, but to obey it because we love God. And, and then the other is liberally. He gives liberally to us his mercy and, and forgiveness. We in turn need to be the same way. And, and one thing about it, we can never outdo God. You know, we, we can try our best, and God will just say, hey, how much more do you got? How much more do you have? And he'll say, keep coming. I like what you're doing. And some people will uh, take it on. Um, I think we're going to talk about this here a little bit later, uh, about uh, toward the end of, of not having a malicious attitude toward things. Because there are people that enter into what they call the Lord's work, and they'll do it for their gain and not God's. They're, they'll do it in obedience to gain themselves. And sadly, we've seen that. But the thing is, is when we're doing what the Lord asked us to do we're in such a way that we're not, uh, it'll allow us not to offend, even though we know the gospel is either going to cause somebody to love it or to hate it. And, and in most cases, the world's going to hate it, but they hate it for a reason of, man, that, that just showed me what, what I'm not supposed to be doing, and I guess I, I just have to accept the Lord. They'll hate the reason why, but then they know that it, it was for their good, especially when the Lord convicts us. I know in my heart, when I got saved, my wife's, uh, when she got saved, both of us looked on what we were doing and we didn't like what was going on. And we said, we, we need a change in our lives. And thankfully, the Lord, his reach is far greater than we can ever begin. I was in Guam. She was in Hawaii, 7,000 miles apart. The Lord is just amazing how he can work things out. He knows exactly what's there. I mean, he, he knew uh, uh, how long Noah needed to be in the ark. I can only imagine that time in there because he said, Okay, when you get in there, there wasn't an inside handle on that door. God closed it and sealed it. 
when he put it in there, sent him to, sent him to sea for that period of time, he knew what, exactly what he needed to do. God says, okay, now it's time for you to get out. And he did all the provisions. And Noah was thankful for all that. Just like we are when we got saved. We know that all those provisions are taken care of for us. And that how we're, well, we're made as pure as possible because of Jesus Christ. And as he's showing us here, that submission for Jesus' sake, we're to be obedient. And as one, one person, uh, when we're in submission the way we're supposed to be, that we're following what God wants us to do, and, and that melds over into, into government. We, we noted that in, in the Bible, there's no form of government mentioned. You know, they talk of how God was a theocracy for, for uh, Israel, and they were subject to a whole variety of governments around them, but he never told them how to set things, that, you know, that there was a specific government that he ordained. He just said government in general, identified that institution. And he didn't even say government. He just said that man was going to have control over, over the society around them. And, you know, I mean, Pharaoh, when, when he uh, tried to uh, outmaneuver God, uh, Moses was able to show him that God was mightier. And he acknowledged it. I don't think in his mind that he, he fully grasped on what, was, what he was supposed to be uh, grasping. He, he still figured he was still the most powerful person in the world. He was just going to obey this, whatever was going on, and just... You know, every time he got defeated, he finally goes, okay, Moses, that, you know. But what happened? When he let them go, he was going to go after them, bring them back. What did God do? He changed their mind real quick by drowning them. And uh, I think history even has a big gap in there about that specific Pharaoh, just kind of gone off the face of the earth, well, under the surface. <laughs> you know, so, but, but God knows exactly what's going on. He said, obey me, follow me, and take him through. Uh, we think of uh, how uh, pastors talking uh, you know, through the minor prophets and how that Israel was told that they needed to surrender to this specific king. And to a lot of them, that was kind of, uh, you know, I really don't want to do that. I'm going to resist them. And it was pointed out to them that if you resist, you're going to die. But if you do surrender to them, you'll be able to come back and live. God was extracting those years of Sabbath that he, that, that he commanded them to do. But he did it in this lump of time. And then, of course, afterward, what happened to, uh, to Babylon? They're gone. They're off the face of the earth, used for what they were needed. But the whole, all the way through, people, Pilate even, you know, said, I can, I can put, I have the, I have the authority to, to put you to death or let you live. And, and, of course, what did Jesus, <laughs> Christ mentioned back to him, Jesus answered and says, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. John nineteen eleven. He showed him out. He says, The only reason that I'm here is because God allowed it. The only reason you're there is because God allowed it. And still didn't sink into him. Think with, with the Apostle Paul uh, as he was going through uh, Romans uh, uh, 13.2. We've, we brought 
uh, chapter 13 kind of alongside with this, but it says, and two, whosoever therefore resisteth the power resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. It's, it's important to understand that there are laws that apply to us and there are laws that don't apply to us. And, and it's interesting how uh, that some laws that are laid out, you know, for instance, a Christian knows or should know that even though abortion may be legal, they shouldn't do that. If they do, they're transgressing God's law. But yet, an unsafe person going there, to them, it's, you know, I'm not subject to God. Well, they don't realize they really are. But yet, that law, it, it's legal, even though we know that it's wrong. Hitler, when he set the laws up about the Jews, was absolutely wrong. But yet, many of the Jews followed through and obeyed to it, thinking that they were doing what, the, what they were commanded to do to obey the law. And six million or more of them died because of something that was legal, even though that it was really an abomination and against God. So we need to realize that, you know, that even, even though in, in, in verse 14 where it says, you know, that there are governors and, and we get into these authorities that we're supposed to submit to, that whether it be the king is supreme, now the king is supreme on that specific time frame. And, it, and when uh, Peter was presenting this, what was the, uh, the, uh, the way the government was? Even though Rome had senates and they got together and they proclaimed this and that, who was the ultimate authority? Caesars were. And, and at this time it was Nero. And he was not the kindest person. And, but yet, you know, he committed suicide at, toward the very end. But yet, that authority, he, he laid down authority through there. It says in, in verse 14, or unto governors and unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. <clears throat> that was the idea, was many people at, at that time frame, uh, if you didn't uh, overtly riot and, and didn't create issues, you pretty much lived a life that was fairly peaceable. That's what they, they were punishers of, of evil. That's what the, the Jews, uh, when they rebelled against Rome, what happened to them? Uh, they tore the temples down in, in AD 70. But yet, when we, when we look at this, submitting ourselves, uh, a question comes up, what different levels of rulers are mentioned? And of course, we just mentioned them. And how does that structure of authority apply today? We sort of talked about that last week. But how, you know, we took a look at, in the United States, for us, we have a president, but yet he's not the supreme authority. He's the one that signs the laws. Yet those three forms of government are all, they call them co-equal. They all are a supposedly a checks and balance. You have to say that in the right order, you know, according to the Constitution. Uh, if, if people were following it right, all three of those would be a look at each other, not trying to get the better of one or the other. And saying, well, I have the authority to do this. And, of course, the other group goes, no, you don't. And then, you know, they all have to get together and waste time and everybody's energy. But here, Nero put down 
or the Caesars put down the authority down to the local people and made governors and, and, and people. And of course, they also, uh, for the praise of them that did well, they praised people that obeyed the, the, the laws and the rules. They, and they weren't so much caring about religion. They let the Jews pretty much do what they wanted to do as long as they didn't rebel against them. But yet, there were things that crept in. People looked at the Christians and said, well, wait a minute, you have this king, and he thinks that he's better than Caesar. You know, or, or that was their assumption to them. They were expecting rebellion from the Christians. And Peter's pointing out, no, you are to be a great, good citizen. You're to be better. And, I mean, Paul pointed that out when he was uh, unfairly uh, uh, attacked and ended up in jail and pointed out to them, wait a minute, I'm, I'm a Roman citizen. I'm a free man. You did this unjustly thing to me. And all of a sudden, they looked at their laws and said, no, we can't, we're, we're not supposed to do this. So they tried to do what most governments do. They tried to cover it up, send him out of town. But he let them know otherwise. But <clears throat> so the other question comes along is, what's the purpose of leaders? And the verse to look at with that is, is uh, 1 Timothy 2. And it says, uh, you know, here in verse 14, it says to punish the evildoers, but it says for kings and all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all goodness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is, should be our testimony as, as Christians, that we obey them, they will, we will live a peaceable life. Yet there were those that, those evildoers, those ones that were trying to come up with uh, arguments uh, or uh, false reports and, and try to make it out those, well, those people over there, you know, those Christians, we got to be, uh, we have to be weary of them and because they're going to rebel against us. And they were ostracized. They were, they were discriminated against because of that. And, and it's very important that we know that Peter provided a list of, of this, and it was it, it seemed, you know, when you look at it, look at, at at how our structure of government is, because we mentioned that we have the federal government, we have the state governments, and then we have city and county and local all the way down, and they're all structured essentially pretty much the same. That there's they're supposed to have checks and balances. And in the beginning of the United States, most of the people that were in office were responsible, or fairly responsible. Yeah, there was always going to be those odd ones in there, but they pretty much allowed people to live a peaceable life. Of course, it was, you know, they let you preach, but if you didn't preach the way that group did, like, well, say some independent Baptists came in and decided they wanted to, to preach, the, the local group would say, well, you can, but you've got to pay a tax. Or you can preach here, but you can't preach on this or that. Started putting restraints on, and people started asking questions. And, of course, some of them spent a lot of time in jail because of that. Well, you can't teach that. That goes against our, our standards, so we're going to put you in jail for that. Stand by. It might come back again. It may come around to that. We don't really know. But... <clears throat> 
we realize that the, the, he's talking about the governors here, under governors, they were the magistrates uh, in, in the various providences, and they were either local citizens, or in some cases, they might even uh, uh, have been uh, part of the Jewish community to, to be placed over them, uh, or, you know, depending on, on how influential they wanted to be. And they were commissioned by the Rome, literally, for the punishment of evildoers. And you, you think of Pilate, and what did, the, what did he do? He listened to the crowd. He was willing to let Christ go, but he let them, you know, he gave them the choice. And what did they do? They chose the criminal. But that was all in God's plan. We realize that. And the governors, they had that power of life and death. But they also saw the advantages of being in those positions. And we see that today. A lot of our uh, political leaders, supposedly leaders, get in and it's amazing how rich they can get while they're in office. <laughs> and, 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 and the way in which they put, you know, people give to their, uh, uh, to their uh, uh, election, uh, you know, uh, campaigns and stuff, and what monies they don't spend when they get out of office, they say, oh, that's your money. It was given to you. And there could be millions of dollars in there. Or there could be, you owe millions of dollars. That's what sometimes happens to some people. But mostly depending on, on how, um, I guess, how well you rub shoulders with, with groups, you could be very rich. But guess what? That's their reward. That's a reward here. And, and, and Peter, he said in here, he didn't say that we should only obey the good rulers. What did he say? He, he told us to submit ourselves to every ordinance of man. And, and it's very important. Uh, Nero, like I said, he, he severely persecuted Christians. He was, he was doing the most heinous things that there were. Burning bodies. Putting them on a stake and lighting them on fire. Sometimes not when they're dead. They put them up there alive. You know, the, the sporting events that we, we hear about, uh, you know, through history or Hollywood portrays of, of what went on with some of the Christians and how they submitted because they thought it was uh, the ordinance. They were supposed to follow through on this. And they were turned loose in stadiums with animals or the gladiators and things like that. Just horrible things done. But yet, when we, when we think about this, uh, we think of Peter and, and, and the other apostles. Uh, Acts 5.29 says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said that we ought to obey God rather than men. pastor pointed this out the other day. They've been preaching. They were arrested and thrown in jail. The angel came along and nudged Peter and says, hey, you can leave now. He said, but when you leave, I want you to go back and start and back where you were and continue preaching. And the magistrates, or the, 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 uh, the priests, got a hold of him again. And, and, this is, and, and what they pointed out to him is says, you know, it's a clear instruction that they were choosing between obeying God and obeying men. And they, the priests had not a leg to stand on. All they could do was just kind of go, uh, yeah, I guess you're right. You are supposed to obey God rather than men. 
I'm sure that they said it through gritted teeth and probably didn't know what else to, to do about it. But they were realizing that these men are doing what God commanded them to do. Otherwise, how would they get out of prison? Or how would they get to where they're supposed to be? Knowing that. And as you look through, uh, the next portion is the authorities to whom they listed them out, the results of submission. And this is interesting. This is verse 15. For so the will of God that while, that with well-doing, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. That's very kind of self-explanatory almost. If we do what we're supposed to be doing, the, the accusers or those that are ignorant of what Christianity is about, they'll be silenced. They'll, they, will, they would not uh, be able to say anything against it. And, and it's talking about these verses back here, you know, that even all the way back to verse 11, and that these folks are strangers because they were scattered. Well, if you look at what a Christian really is, we're a pilgrim wandering through the, a sojourner. And we, you know, a lot of people think of, of that man with the staff and walking along with, with a, you know, bent back and a, just all he can put in, into one satchel. And that's what Christians really should be. Well, in, in an essence, that's what we really need to be. And realizing that whatever we do have on this earth will stay on this earth when we leave. Have no real attachment to that. God put us here for a purpose. We're to use every avenue around us. Does it mean that we want to, that we can't get gain for anything? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means that don't be attached. I, I look at the skill sets and my tools that I have in my garage and things like that, when I die, they're gone. When I die, I'm not going to worry about those. I think God's got a better set for me up in heaven. Charlie, can you imagine the toolbox you're going to have when you get to heaven? Yeah, all those tools that you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> That's a running joke. Ten, you know what? I, I've looked in mine. I've, I've got plenty of 10-millimeter sockets. I can, I can leave them wherever I want in the garage, and I'll still have them. For whatever reason, I think, I think that's where they all went, in my garage. <laughs> but really, when we think about that, that we, we need to understand that, yes, there are things on this earth that we utilize in order to get by. Some of us, there are certain tools. Uh, I can only imagine the uh, computer system that Travis is going to have when he's up in, in heaven. <laughs> You won't have to do those updates, will you, brother? <laughs> you know, the, the security requirements are going to be well taken care of. But, you know, you think about so many different things of, of, of what we use here to exist, but use it in such a way that we're not focused on that. We're just thankful that, well, we have the skills to use these things. God lets us use these things in the idea that we are to be an example. And, and the whole of that is that we are doing what God is wanting, wanting us to do, use our skills, using our, our talents, and using them in such a way that uh, it's, it, 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 it's doing what God has asked us to do. 
the gifts that Peter talks about, or Paul talks about. There are so many gifts that, that so many of us have. Some of us are, are, are benevolent. Some of us are, are good at organizing. Some of us are, are, are good at, at uh, well, counseling and teaching and preaching. And you just think of all these different things that are around us that, that we do on a regular basis that God has allowed us as talents that that's part of the uh, well-doing that when we do them, uh, I, I love it when somebody's maybe uh, recognized for something that they've done and the first thing he said is because the Lord gave me that talent. Or I can thank the Lord that I was able to do that. And it's a blessing to hear somebody say that, to, to know that God has allowed them to be able to do that. And when we do that, it's that tool that might turn somebody from what they were doing to look at Christ, look at it a little different, or say, when you're doing that, you're just so happy. Or you just went through something that I would just give up and just, you know, curl up in a ball and, and not wonder what's going on, but yet you went through that, and yet you got a smile on your face, or you have a very even temper about things. And what it does is it, it, it puts down the, the evil thought that that person might have had about what, what Christianity it might open the door. We don't realize the, the opportunities. And, you know, we, some relationships that we have, uh, either at work or in our neighborhood where we live, maybe within our family, might make it difficult, but it might, when we, when we approach it with, with the right heart attitude of doing well and doing it for the Lord, that we won't be, well, that person's really weird. Why does he do that? They might ask, why do you do that? You can share that. And, and it's, it's also such that there might be a point when you might have to disobey. <clears throat> That's part of this the results of submission. Our submission is such that we obey until we cross, until it crosses God's laws. But it also might uh, make it such that somebody will say, well, you're right. That, that's not right. And, and it comes up with the question, how will obeying authorities put to silence the ignorance of foolish men? If we obey laws, or in some case, we might have to disobey and we might end up going to jail or we might lose our job or we might be ostracized for something because we disobeyed. <clears throat> but when you stand your ground with it and with the right heart attitude, it will make it so that we can, we can be able to, to witness to somebody. We think of the martyrs. And they, they were told, we won't burn you at the stake if you'll recant. Well, what choice do I have? Well, some of them did say, okay, fine, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. Others said, no, my God is more powerful than you. I, th I think of the, the, the Hebrew children under Nebuchadnezzar. They goes, well, you know, even if God doesn't, protect us when you, uh, with this, we're still not going to bow down to you because our God says otherwise. And what happened? The king recognized the fact that their God's mightier than me. 
I threw them in something that, was, that, that killed the men that threw them in. Yet they walked out and they didn't even smell like they'd been in a fire. That would be impressive. To me, that would be a great witness to all the groups around going, whoa, I think I'm going to pay attention to what their God wants to be done. But yet, you know, a lot of them were very self-centered. Well, you know, I still got to pay attention to this God over here. I love reading about where the prophets talked about uh, the, the idols that were all of a sudden they would fall over for some reason. And, and the prophet had a chance, you know, went out to the, to the leader, you know, how effective is this? He goes in and, and checks, and next thing you know, the, the arms are off from the, the idol. How effective is that one? Or, uh, you know, uh, Elijah with, with the, the priest, where he, he poured barrels and barrels of water on the offering. You know, and, and after these guys cut themselves and did whatever they were doing, and, and you know, he kind of chided and says, your gods must be asleep or something. And, you know, barrels after barrels after barrels of water, and yet fire from heaven came down and devoured exactly what was there. That's the whole of what God can do for us in our lives. He can use us in, in such a way that when we are in authority, or uh, obeying authority, that we can find peace. And also the authority of, if we need to, because the next portion is, a, is, is our caution in, in doing that, is some people will use submission to authority in the absolute wrong way. We'll look at that uh, next week. But it's so very important for us to realize our submission, obeying the, the uh, authorities or ordinance of man, but realizing that that only goes so far. Because there, there's going to be laws that we're going to be challenged with here, very possible. But yet I'm thankful that oftentimes when those laws are challenged, the proper way, when things are brought up through the court system to the Supreme Court, talking to Brother Travis, and he'd mentioned Wednesday, uh, to close this kind of an illustration, that uh, uh, talking about pronouns and, and how it might come down to ordinances coming up to you have to use these. Well, it's interesting, and, and you may have caught it in the news, but I just found an article of this professor, I guess a couple years ago, a student approached him, uh, and he didn't use the proper pronouns for this person, and so they took it to the school authorities, and this person who had an exemplary, a super clean record, no disciplinary actions, all of a sudden got a black mark on his record. So he ended up going, he sued the the, the school, and I think sued that student. It worked its way all the way through the Supreme Court, and, and they told him, no, in order for you to be forced to have to do that, that's violating your free speech. You violate, they violated your First Amendment right. So it's something that we need to realize that, okay, we have a certain alienable rights given to us by God. And because we live in the United States, there are countries around the world that don't have the freedoms that we have. We need to be thankful for that. And it's because the leaders sat down, prayerfully looked, looked in the scriptures, looked for guidance from God to establish a document that is a living document, but it's one that it's not over, over, over the, the Bible, but 
That's the law of the land. It gives us freedoms that God has given to us and calls them out. But then there's other countries around the world that don't have those freedoms. And, and we need to be really thankful for, for what we do have, those freedoms. And Father, we thank you. And we, we've, we thank the Lord for just what he's doing in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for just loving us, taking care of us, providing for us the things that uh, we normally would never be able to, to handle on our own. Father, I'm thankful, one, that the, the country that we live in, we have freedoms that the, the rest of the world uh, only envy. And it's because I believe, Father, that you, you still are honoring many things, even though uh, things that are going on today are appalling to you. But I believe, Father, that there are many that are still on their knees praying and thanking you for the, the gifts that you've given to this country. Father, I thank you for knowing that you are in control regardless of how evil the world becomes. And it will be a challenge for those of us that are here. And Father, I do ask that you would just continue to encourage us to walk, to obey where we can obey, to do what is honoring and honorable that would glorify you and everything that we do. And Father, I do thank you that we do also have the freedom of salvation that you give to us freely. Anyone in the world has that opportunity. And there are none that can take that away. There are those that have accepted you as Savior and know that they're going to heaven, but there's others that are, that are just not knowing where they're going to be. And Father, I do pray that today would be the day that they would come and ask, realizing that they can't do that on their own. We come to you bankrupt and ask you to forgive us and to save us and to give us a home in eternity. And Father, now I do pray that you would just keep the invitation of this open, not only now, but all the way through the services, that people would be mindful that what we have before us is a free gift from you, and we can accept that. And Father, we thank you for this and ask it all in your son's precious name. Amen.